welcome to this Amazing Race 31 preview episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me for the 12th time to preview a season is the Canadian who uses the podcast to gain a better knowledge of redheads, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. That was definitely my favorite part of all of the CBS bios, too, by the way. Really? <laughs> I have some definite choices that I think you might disagree with on, in terms of favorite. Well, other than like Colin and Christie's bios. <laughs> Spoilers for everyone who's ever listened to our previews. I deliberately stack who we talk about so that our favorite team to talk about or person to talk about is last. It's Colin and Christie this time. Colin and Christie, as soon as we knew they were on this season, were always going to be last in this preview. Because, oh my god, at their bio. It's like, man, a lot has happened to them in 15 years. We have a lot to unpack with them. I was going to say that too, yeah. So much to unpack with Colin and Christie. Not the turn that I think a lot of fans were expecting when season 5 ended. It's nothing bad, it's just, it's not what you would expect. And I guess the first question, as it has been in the past few months, seeing as though nobody's been listening to our Belgian Mog podcast, is where in the world is Logan Saunders? Should I do a quick summary since the end of season 30? Yeah, you might as well. It's been over a year since we've done any Amazing Race podcast. Yeah, when did season 30 end? Uh, it was the 1st of March, I believe, last year. Holy hell, so that was even before I went to South America? And just for the, just for some context, this is the first Amazing Race podcast that we have done since, yeah, February last year that did not feature a previous Amazing Racer. We did a, well, we did a Canada 6 cast preview podcast. Yeah, that is an Amazing Racer. Right, it's Amazing Race Canada. No, it's just, a, it's just not a real Amazing Race franchise anymore. <laughs> true that, true that, Harmstone. Race Across the World is more Amazing Race than uh, Amazing Race Canada has been in the past couple of years. Yeah, go to Vancouver for the fourth time in six seasons. I told Alan Wu about that when I met him in Singapore, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, just casually drop in that you've been meeting Amazing Race House, why don't you? <laughs> yes. Clang, do you want me to pick that name drop up for you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, get on so, with it. Okay, so after season 30 ended, I spent a month in South America. I traveled through Santiago, Chile, went to an area just outside of Buenos Aires, Argentina for a week. I spent just over a week in Colombia, in Medellin and Santa Marta, had a day and a half in Panama City, and I spent three days in Montevideo, Uruguay with the scariest thunderstorms I think I've ever gone through in my life. <laughs> Lightning strikes that were just about 100 meters above us. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so that was that was quite the experience, and nobody could sleep at night because it sounded like bombs were going off, but really it was just the lightning strikes. Um, so let's see, I did that. Um, then at, on Christmas Eve, I flew to Japan. I traveled around Japan for a month, then went down to the Philippines for three weeks, then went to Australia for three weeks, met fellow co-hosts Ben and Michelle while I was there, as well as other people. Uh, met our original co-host Eamon in Malaysian Kota Kinabalu, where he's uh, lived his whole life, pretty much. Um, then I went, or before I went to Kota Kinabalu, I was in Bali in Indonesia for two weeks. Wonderful Indonesia. Wonderful Indonesia, yep, from season five of Amazing Race Asia. Then I went to Singapore for four days where I met up with JK and Mike from season five of Amazing Race Asia, had lunch with them, 
And I had coffee with Amazing Race Asia, Amazing Race China Rush, Amazing Race China Celebrity Edition host, Alan Wu. Amazing Race Legend. Amazing Race Legend. The best host out of all the franchises. You agree? I would indeed agree, yes. Love me some Alan Wu. Yes. Who made the cameo in season 16 in the Singapore episode, for those who don't follow Amazing Race Asia. And then I came, yeah, then I came here to Chiang Mai, Thailand, just over a week ago. And in a few days, I am off to South Africa for two weeks. And then I go up into Europe and Egypt. And just for some context, we're recording this on Thursday. It will be released on Sunday, by which point Logan will be in South Africa. No, I fly to South Africa on Monday, so I'll be on an Ethiopian Airlines flight, of all things. Oh, good luck. I'll start lining up some uh, replacements now. Yeah. <laughs> the fifth time you've had to do that in the past four months. <laughs> and for context as to how long I've been traveling... We're recording this on April 11th, and I left on Christmas Eve, and I don't get back to Canada until July 29th. Which is a long time. <laughs> long time. And what have I been up to in the past year? Um, I went to Asia. Hating your job? Yeah, hating my job. Went to Asia. Making casual appearances on BBC local radio. You know, the use. Weren't you on a game show? Oh yeah, I was. I was on uh, the UK's biggest game show, wasn't I? I forgot about that. Yeah, in September I was on The Chase. Um, which filmed the September before that? Yeah, which filmed the October before that, and I had to keep it secret. And there is a wonderful sting on Michelle that eventually I am still going to release when we do do um, podcast game night, because I have still got it mm-hmm. recorded, the Michelle reaction. It was less fun than the, no way! But, um, yeah. What else have I been up to? Not been up to a lot, really. Did another cruise, didn't I? Around Asia. What was your favourite place that you went to on the cruise? Um, I really liked Hong Kong. I really liked Huey. We loved Hong Kong last time we were there as well, but uh, Huey was probably my favourite new place. Really, really liked Japan. Really liked um, Okinawa. I didn't go to Okinawa. It's not really Japanese mainland. No, it's not. It's very, very not Japanese mainland. But um, It's like they're Hawaii. Everyone was so nice. It was just a really, really friendly place. And very interesting. Japan in general is like that. Well, maybe not so much like friendly, friendly, where they go up to you and give you hugs and stuff, but they're definitely not rude. I don't know whether it was because we'd just come from Beijing and Beijing was the complete opposite of that. It was really interesting, but oh my god, it was the hardest place ever to navigate. I've heard, uh, I never hear any, like, because I've, I've interacted with a lot of backpackers the past two and a half years. No one ever says anything good about 90% of China when they go there. It was a very, very interesting place, but it is by far the most difficult place I've ever been in terms of just navigating, in terms of like feeling comfortable, if you get what I mean. You, you feel like you're always being watched, and to an really? extent you are, yeah. Um, you get that a little bit in Vietnam as well. But Vietnam's more understandable too with how the government is set up there. Yeah, but China, you just feel like everyone is always watching you. Well, I've always heard of the three S's with China. What is it? Staring, spitting, and damn it, can't think of the other S. 
And so many people came up to me and my brother just trying to take pictures of us because we were white, which I've never oh, had yeah. before. And I know yeah, you're aware of that. Either, but, yeah. It just was a bit of an uncomfortable place. I had a... Who was it that just went there? Was it a random guy in a bar who was talking? Where he he went to Beijing, and this was just a few few months ago or not too long ago, and there was some sort of summit going on, and they got there, and somebody said, "Oh, this is a this is the nicest day all year. It's a super sunny day," and the tourists are like, "Oh, it just looks like a regular sunny day. What do you mean this is the nicest day we'll have all year?" And I guess because of the summit, they had all the cars off the road, so the air was clear. And then as soon as the summit ended the next day, then you didn't get to see the sun again after that. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) But yeah, I've got a lot of stories from Beijing. It was just, I'm glad we did it. I just am not in a hurry to go back to China again for a while. Yeah, I understand that feeling completely where it's like, you're glad to have that experience of visiting that specific city, but you're probably never, ever going to go back to that place. It wasn't horrible. It's just been there, done that uh, sort of experience. Unlike the a C, doing a CVS reality show, because we were looking at people who are now racking up a fifth-time appearance. Now that was a wonderful segue, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of historical context for everyone. In sort of... May, June time last year, pretty much after Amazing Race 30, the debacle that was, finished. We heard about Amazing Race 31 coming. We also heard the rumour that it was going to be Survivor teams versus Big Brother teams. At which point I go, I am noping the hell out of covering this season. Because Amazing Race came back awkwardly last year for me, meaning we couldn't cover the best season of Dutch Mole ever. And I was wavering on kind of doing Amazing Race 31. Then they announced it was coming back in May. I rejoiced because I thought, we're actually going to get some time off. It's going to work out perfectly with our schedule because we can do Venom Hunted in January. We can then move straight into Belgian Mole after a couple of weeks break. That came back two weeks early as well. And then we can go straight into Amazing Race after that. And yeah, it came back five weeks early. Because of million dollar fail? Yeah, because of million dollar fail. So, this is where we are. But, I will say this when we go through each team's bio. For the first time ever, I'm completely spoiled on this season. And that is entirely because I needed to make a judgement call on whether it was worth me covering this season if it came back in January. Because Amazing Race was wobbling a little bit for me in terms of me being willing to do it. If it came back at the same time as Hunted and Vidim again. However, that didn't happen, so I'm unnecessarily spoiled, and I will not be making predictions this season, because I know how how everyone finishes. And Logan, on the other hand, knows a little bit. He knows one team in the final six and one team in the final three, but doesn't know anything else. Just by pure accident because of an asshole on Twitter. Yeah, your Philippe came back, didn't he? Yes. Philippe is our, our new term for assholes on Twitter trying to spoil things for you. Yeah. Usually I am very rarely spoiled on Amazing Race, but we all know the nature of what happens with all-star seasons and using returning players. It's There's two recognizable when they're traveling around, so... And then, of course, fans are a bit too happy with... Or too, or want to troll the audience, so they're always super eager to leak things. 
but it's nowhere near as bad as how much things got leaked with uh, season 30. Because of the nature of one of the teams, who we shall not be naming again. Or ever. And because there's more Big Brother teams on this season, pretty much the same thing happened, but I've been too busy slash too good at uh, avoiding almost all information. I pretty, mu- I pretty much know nothing. <laughs> I know like as close to nothing as possible about what happens in the season. And it's an interesting situation because I don't think CBS are really expecting to have to move it up by five weeks either. So no locations have been confirmed at all which is going to make the next bit of this conversation super fun for us. And nothing else has really been confirmed in terms of, like, any new twists, of which there is apparently maybe one. There's no confirmation of some of the challenges. We really haven't had much. There's been no press coverage at all for Season 31, other than, like, the usual blogging and podcasting websites. There's nothing official through the CBS streamline of, oh, here's all the things to get you hyped up for it. There's no, there's not even any meet the teams videos, which I think might be a first in, God, like over twenty seasons. I don't know what is happening with kind of this preview bit of the season, which makes it really fun for us. It's like there's no, like I know there's one or two quick CBS commercials that they aired during Survivor, I think last night, and it sounds like that's all the pre-season coverage we're going to get, and I think it's just because they weren't prepared for it at all, since nobody was expecting to have to have the premiere moved up by over a month. Yeah, we've got six days left until the season begins, and there just is nothing for us. I feel like one of those sites who did their preview nine months ago when the race had just started. Well, 11 months ago now. Yeah, when it like, initially leaked out when no one really knew anything then. It's like, this is what we saw at the starting line. I know of at least one site who have done their preview podcast based on just the team straight up without any of the bios and recorded it ages ago. Yeah, it's almost like Amazing Race Canada because Amazing Race Canada, the past couple of years, and as well as this year, the production's always super disorganized with doing all the preseason stuff that they essentially end up with doing nothing or like scrap something together very last minute That's needs more proofreading. <laughs> But here's just like, they're just admitting like, yeah, we didn't expect to have to air a premiere over a month early, so we're just going to make teams send in really short bios and put together a couple of advertisements, and yeah, we're good to go for the 17th. I don't know whether you felt the same way I did about these bios, but they feel a bit looser than normal. There's some stuff this season in these bios where I don't think we would ever get them in previous seasons. I think it's because they probably just did them this past week. (laughs) Yeah, like, for example, Laura Bonham being the first person ever to use the word shit in a bio. Or Corinne's three words being 100% that bitch. (laughs) I don't think that we would get that sort of stuff. Or the sheer amount of people advertising in their bios. Holy hell, we need to go through that. Because I'm assuming one team must go home early. Because their bio is just one big advertisement. I don't think we would ever have got this sort of activity in a previous season. I agree with that. I agree with that. There would no, they would block a blatant advertisement in a bio. There's copyright information in there. Yes, there's the trademark symbol in their bio, which I think is a first too. 
So I'll just run quickly through the previous connections. So Corey basically interviewed everyone on um, on Racers Recap. Leo and Jamal raced with Rachel in 24. Rachel and Brittany played with each other in Big Brother 12. And Art and JJ and Rachel raced against each other in 20. And the reason that I mention all this sort of stuff is there's a lot of history between certain people and certain teams already, which could be very interesting. A lot of paths have crossed. Probably the most secluded team would be Chris and Brett. I'd say Colin and Christy. No one's heard from them in 15 years. That's true, too. They haven't really been in... They haven't done any interviews, despite our efforts. Um, <laughs> that's right. They don't really... You don't really hear Colin say, Oh, I watched the last season of Amazing Race. It was a lot harder when we were in it. Yeah, we, we've not really mentioned the fact that we did... what. 16, was it, interviews with people last year, um, in, in place of Amazing Race Canada and then just to fill the gap at the end of last year? Yeah, we did 16 interviews with past racers and yeah, none of them brought up updates or having spoken to Colin and Christy. And we interviewed quite a few old schoolers too. Yeah, a, a lot of people though did say that they'd, um, they'd had a call for 31. Yeah, actually, this brings up a good point, because this was also reconfirmed by a guy in the Season 31 cast. Um, there's one person in this cast who's a really big fan of our podcast and my blog. It's, um, Of course, it's Tyler Oakley of Tyler and Corey. Oh, yeah. It's, I forgot that he's a friend of the show. Yeah, so he's like our biggest fan of all the racers, except maybe Justin and Diana. So anyways, um, I was talking to Tyler the other week and, well, not the other week, the cast was just announced, so really you can only talk the past uh, few days. So this is what he wrote in. It pretty much confirmed what we got out of the interviews during the offseason. Hey guys, um, just to let you know, for season 31, the selection process started just over a year ago when CBS and Bertram started reaching out to people. Um, Jess and Diana were invited later on in the process, but Diana got pregnant too quickly. In the words of Pokemon, Justin's sperm was super effective. Um, the lenses were on the short list, but were cut. Um, they almost cast Timmy and Megan uh, as a team. Uh, Eric and Jeremy were in it for serious consideration, but CBS decided to drop them when they decided it wouldn't be a full all-star with Amazing Race teams. There'd be Survivor and Big Brother teams in there too, which I agree makes sense. Can't wait to hear your podcast and read your blogs again this season. Uh, peace out, uh, Tyler Oakley. What a nice man. Yeah, so it's going to be great. Each week we're going to get an update for Tyler about uh, stuff we didn't get to see behind the scenes. I'm very surprised that CBS allowed him to do that, but that's uh, that's great to know. Nice little treat for us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been podcasting about the Amazonaries for six years. I've been blogging about it for almost ten. Um, so yeah, it's great that we get this uh, access, direct access to... Uh, one of the cast members. And one more thing that I'll do before we get to the um, before we actually get into the teams, and I know certain people don't like to hear location spoilers and all that sort of stuff, so maybe skip about a minute into the podcast, because I'm just going to quickly run through who's been where previously and all that sort of stuff. I'll give you a few seconds. I'm mainly talking to you, Wayne, by the way. Um, so... <laughs> it's Wayne Arthurson. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So the previous countries that are being visited again by people who've already visited them. Colin and Christy have been to Dubai before. Art and JJ have been to Japan. Rachel's been to Japan, Switzerland and the UK. Leo and Jamal have been to the UAE, although that was Abu Dhabi. Japan, Switzerland and the UK, so they're the ones who've been to the most previous ones. Tyler and Corey have been to Dubai and Switzerland. 
and Becker and Floyd have been to Vietnam. So Liu and Jamal clock in with three countries of overlap. Four. Four. UAE, Japan, Switzerland, UK. Oh, damn. They have a, that's a huge advantage. Four country advantage, plus they've had the most experience out of all the teams. So things are really in their favor. So our first team is going to be Art and JJ, who are friends and Border Patrol agents from California. In their previous season, they placed second and finished with the best average going into the season of 2.25. And that was in a season where they raced against Dave and Rachel, who, have, who are tied worldwide for the most leg wins in a season. They were the only ones who could actually beat Dave and Rachel. Outside of Bopper and Mark, inexplicably, they are the only team who actually beat Dave and Rachel in their season. Definitively. <laughs> Which means that they come into this season with a huge advantage, in theory. In theory, yes. I don't know if Arden... I mean, it's been, what, six years since they ran the race? And I noticed with going through season 20 that... They did really well for like the first mid half of the season, and I noticed as soon as they hit Southeast Asia and Asia in general, they nearly got eliminated a couple of times. Yeah, they fell apart in India. Yeah. In both legs in India and just Asia in general, they weren't doing as well. So, if they go westward through Asia at the start of the season, Art and JJ may not be the shining, uh, the shining stars that we saw in the first half of season 20. Yeah, I don't even think they've confirmed where the first country is going to be. Yeah, we can't even talk about that, which is dumb. <laughs> so, all I can say is, if they go westward at the beginning, Art and JJ may go home early. If they go into Central America and or eastward, Art and JJ should be able to find that groove again. And they may go on in the same run that they did in Season 20. And more so than anyone else, I think their bios are the shortest of any team. They're really brief. I'm trying to think what Cedric and Sean were, were the shortest bio from last season, and I think this might be even shorter. Although Tyler and Corey's were really short too. The one-sentence answers. Or one-word answers in some cases. Racers. Yeah, racers. <laughs> because that's another question that we we need to bring up everyone apart from floyd said that the races were the most intimidating people and it's like well duh <laughs> i wish they would have asked who's more intimidating the castaways or the house guests yeah what a stupid question to ask because here you have a group of people who've done this race before and in fact pretty much everyone who came back as an amazing racer has got to the final leg i think maybe they actually did no, Becker and Floyd are the only exception, aren't they? Becker and Floyd are the, are the only team who didn't get to the final three, including Rachel. <laughs> so, obviously they're going to be the most intimidating group of people because they've done this before. They know what it's like sleeping in the airports. They know what it's like planning their own travel if you're Colin and Christie. They've crossed the finish line, all of them, except for Becker and Floyd. There's a big difference between teams that only lasted three or four legs and teams that have done a whole freaking season, or in Leo and Jamal's case, just short of crossing the finish line twice. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I forgot that Leo and Jamal placed fourth. Yeah, Leo and Jamal placed fourth. Yeah. They have 22 legs of experience. And that's and the second time was against teams that had way more experience. There was a lot of three-timers in their season where they almost made it to the end. 
as Eliza says, it's like putting Boston Rob on Survivor Redemption Island. Obviously, these people are going to have a massive advantage. If you don't put money on an Amazing Race team winning, then you're stupid. And I just want to add, it was people always think, oh, I think, who, who is it, Luke? Luke from season 14, 18, and 24, where he's like, oh, it'd be really great if they can do fans versus favorites for Amazing Race. I'm thinking, no, no. you don't do that, because having survivors proven, and Big Brother too, having random newbies against very, very experienced players ends up playing out very, very one-sided. Yeah, it's a stupid idea. Even the two times where newbies won in within the Big Brother format, and the one time with Sophie winning and Survivor, that happened when the runner-up was a the, was the past player who was very 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 dominant in their season. Like I just I can't fathom how people actually enjoy seeing an entire season of of the veterans curb stomping the um, the newbies, or just having a couple veterans knock out the more threatening veterans and then just annihilate the newbies at the end of the game. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Which is why, at least in this format, you've got people who are comfortable with being on TV. They've been on other shows, including the show that they're racing on. <laughs> so at least they have that all the all the stuff that goes in preparing for going on a CBS reality show. At least they don't have that extra layer on top of it. The one thing I will say is, thank God this cast is good, because this cast could have been so much worse, especially the Big Brother bit of it. However, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, if the Amazing Race group had been a lot better, it would have been amazing. I think the best way to describe this cast is it could have been a lot worse. How so? What? 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 Three. Let's let's make three swaps. Real three realistic swaps where this could have been so much worse. Well, you could have swapped out any of the Big Brother players for literally any Big Brother player because they're, on the whole, trash. Especially newer teams. Like, there was a rumour of Mark and Elena being on it. And they've very broken up by now. Beyond broken up. Yeah. Um, who else was rumoured? There was a rumour of Paul and Josh, I think. Yeah, no thanks. Even we're not big fans of that other team that won season 30? That actually might have been worse. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. There, there was a couple of really bad Big Brother rumours. And the Amazing Race teams could have been a hell of a lot worse as well, because at least you have Art and JJ who, despite a lot of people's concerns about them, are very competitive. You have Colin and Christy. How the hell did they bring them back? It's just funny how much Colin and Christy stick out, because on the whole, these are all teams that are recent, that have competed recently on Survivor, recently on Big Brother, recently on Amazing Race. They've all, well, well, who has the longest layoff? Art and JJ, I guess? Yeah, six, JJ. Six years? Yeah. 2012. So, yeah, six years between when this filmed and when they finished 20. And then you go from that to 15 years ago when Colin and Christy were on it. I mean, there's a rule that has been brought in since Colin and Christy were on purely because of their season and the lopsided roadblocks. And that rule has been around for 25 seasons. Yeah. Yields don't even exist anymore in Amazing Race US. They haven't existed for over a decade. 
the non-elimination penalty also hasn't existed for for over a decade from when Colin and Christy were in it. <laughs> That's an insane layoff. And there's twists that have come and gone since Colin and Christy were on it. Do you remember the intersection? <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers the intersection. Pepperidge Farm, yes. Pepperidge Farm's going to get you in your sleep. So yeah, I've not got much else to say about Art and JJ to be honest, but uh, JJ described himself as loyal, strong and determined, and Art described himself as humorous, outgoing and positive. And JJ is most scared of getting trapped somewhere with no way out. And I shall refrain from making that joke. I, it's going to be hilarious. Um, this is going to be quite the... I think the reason why they held back on airing the season for so long is because by the end of the season, Art and JJ um, dig into Victor's um, family history and documents a bit too closely, and Victor actually gets deported from the U.S. by the end of the season. Spoilers. <laughs> And I can't wait for the confrontation where... Because Art and JJ, they were so good at figuring out that Neri and Jamie weren't kindergarten teachers. I can't wait for them to go up to Rupert and be like, <laughs> Rupert, we know you're not a 16th century Caribbean pirate. What are you really? What do you really do? <laughs> I am a 16th century pirate, guys. I just can't find a goddamn clean shirt. Who the fuck's accusing me? Do you want to pet my Balboa? How do you think Hart and JJ are going to do? I'm so on... They were the team that was, like, toughest to rank. It's just... I can't see Art being a good runner six years later. Art had struggled with running initially. I could see them being a bit more injury-prone. So I'm thinking Art and JJ... They won't go home right away, but I'm thinking it might be around eighth place. Interesting. Just, I mean, they could make it to to the end, but it's Art's physical fitness that has me that has me questioning things. So our second team, and one that I'm quite excited to discuss purely because their bios are horrific, is Nicole and Victor. Coco, they have their own podcast. Maybe we can do a crossover. Coco Caliente. <laughs> Hit us up for ads. I had no idea they even had a travel podcast. No, neither did I. I didn't even know there was a town called Oobly. Oobly, Michigan. It sounds like some sort of fish or thing you say to a little kid. Nicole made a big thing of being from Oobly, Michigan in both of her seasons. And I believe in the proposal video, Victor said that he couldn't believe that he would ever move to Oobly, Michigan. So Oobly's getting a lot of press from them. As much press as they're ever going to get. Big names in Oobly. So they are an engaged couple, at least now post-race, who live in Michigan and met in Big Brother. She was on seasons 16 and 18, and he was on season 18. And she is a content creator, occasional nurse, and podcast host. Believe me, podcast host, not a job. I concur. (laughs) It is a hobby. It is definitely a hobby, because as Logan said, we've been doing this for five and a half years nearly now, and I have earned zero pounds. Actually, I probably lost money from boosting a couple of posts. Yeah, I've probably lost money from the hosting. (laughs) And the fact that, you know, I keep getting new microphones and stuff. Podcast host, not a job. Not unless anyone wants to sponsor us. Hit us up if you do. Coco Caliente sponsors RTV Warriors. I'll jack in my job if uh, if it means I can get money. (laughs) And she says that her hobbies include drinking coffee. 
Drinking coffee, not a hobby. It's just America's favourite pastime. Although I did look through all her previous bios, and she does seem weirdly obsessed with coffee. She mentions coffee in every single one of them. Hmm. No exceptions. I guess that's what happens when you're uh, a nurse. And in Big Brother 16, she claimed that she enjoyed studying, and now she's only an occasional nurse. She'll just save lives whenever she feels like it. You might be getting the vibe that Nicole's bio really irritated me, because pretty much every one of my bullet points about them is just about her. She couldn't even name a country. No. Her accomplishments are winning Big Brother 18, where she was against Paul, who everyone hates, starting a podcast, again, not a job, and becoming a nurse, actually an achievement. Well done on your third attempt. (laughs) Hey, took Boston Rob for. And Victor says he wants to go to the Maldives, but it does look like he's speaking in riddles, as he never completes an entire sentence when talking about the Maldives. He's the first person I think that's probably brought up the Maldives in his bio. Do you think that they were told not to mention any basic countries? And I say basic countries with a lot of love, but pretty much every team ever has said that they want to go to Italy because their family are from there. Not a single person this season says it, for the first time ever. No. I mean, half the people didn't even say a country. They said a continent. It's the Christa de Bono rule. Someone has to say that they want to go to Italy every season. Yeah. Krista loves it when we point it out, so it's now her rule. You're welcome, Krista. (laughs) Yeah, that's a first. No one said Italy, or Greece, or anywhere in Europe. Now everyone wants to go to, like, Bhutan, and Burma, and the Maldives. Or the country of Africa. Or the country of Africa, which we we need to do a tally on that, because that tally was even higher than season 28. Yeah, it was at least three that I can think of. Yeah. But apparently the country Nicole wants to go to is a country with elephants. Literally anywhere. Yeah, anywhere with a zoo. <laughs> there's, there, does that mean Thailand? Because there's lots of elephants around here. Or anywhere on safari? Or any first world country with a zoo. Yeah, just, t- just take it to Chester Zoo. She'll enjoy it. Yeah, just come to Calgary. Actually, Victor's been to Calgary. He had a video about Calgary in his, one of his videos. So Victor can just take her to the zoo. Ooh, I just thought of Rocky. So how do you think that they're going to do? I think they're going to do quite well. Victor is a challenge beast. Nicole seems agile. So out of all of the non-Amazing Race teams, I actually have them getting the furthest. Because Victor was a challenge beast in Big Brother, and I assume they're bringing back head-to-head, aren't they? Slash double battle, slash... Uh, face-off. I've not heard anything about it. If they are, Big Brother teams should be able to last a little bit longer since they're Big Brother-ish type challenges, which is crucial to avoid being eliminated because for some reason the American version of Amazing Race loves to put it before a pit stop. So with that in play and Victor being a challenge beast and them having a travel podcast, so they're somewhat traveled, I would say Nicole and Victor are going to be third place finishers. I think it's very interesting the timing of when it was filmed, because it was filmed sort of May, June last year. So they had enough time to see how much everyone hated the double battle. So I would be very surprised if it comes back in the same form it did previously. I think they probably would have made some changes to either where it's positioned in the leg or having it at all. Does CBS listen to Amazing Race fans too often, though? Um, I'm not sure. But I think 
if it was just a lone voice like us shouting about how it was terrible in the wilderness, then maybe they would have ignored it. But everyone online hated the the double bell. I don't think I ever saw any positive feedback about it. And the racers hated it as well. Right, the contestants themselves complained about it, especially um, Christine and Jen, I think, were the biggest opponents to it since it screwed them out of one or two, both finishes? At least one where they're like, they were so far ahead and they had to wait for second place and then the second, then they didn't get to win the leg. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I've blanked the, yeah, out of my memory because of how dreadful it was. And we are far enough away from season 30 that I can now say this. I really liked certain teams, but God, the season was bad. It was awful. 29 was amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It came off the back of 29, which is my favourite post-Australia 2 season. And then they gave us that. That stinking turd of a season. And I know I'm also not alone in that opinion, but I was trying to hide it a little bit last season. It was very difficult given how I just didn't want to watch the finale when I heard who won. But, yeah. We're far enough away from it that I can say that I really like Christy and Jen especially. But, oh my god, the season was bad. I'm even struggling to remember. Oh, I barely remembered it was second place. <laughs> That good, eh? <laughs> yeah. I can tell you the boot order of all of season four, but the season that just aired? Nah. <laughs> Remember Trevor and Chris? I like Trevor and Chris. They were fun. They should have lasted longer. They should have gotten more than two seconds of airtime? Yeah. <laughs> so the next team is, I think, a team that we're both very excited to talk about. We've been waiting six years on this podcast to finally legitimise our Rupert Bonham impressions. Oh, Rupert. Rupert and Laura. We get to talk about them while they're on a season. My first note, I didn't even read their bios. My first note is, Who the fuck's racing against me? John! Bill, who you turned me? Death and rot. (laughs) Corinne and Eliza, you started this shit. (laughs) Who else from the Survivor world do you think they're called? Because you've got to assume Sandra got a call. You think so? I think so, yeah. Possibly. I wonder if she would have wanted to do Amazing Race. I think Sandra wouldn't care as long as she enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just another million, right? Yeah. Might as well sign the check to her now. Oh, but Rupert wants... It's funny because I watched a video recently of Rupert giving a talk, Rupert's talk, um, where for his bio for Pearl Islands when he applied, he came up with the shortest answers possible, and he definitely continued that tradition here. Yeah, I don't have many notes on them, and given that he's been on Survivor four times, he should know how to write a bio, but... His legacy alone is enough to make me just really want to go against my natural instincts and go their first boots and go, oh, but I really want Rupert and Laura to just last till the end so we get lots of ridiculousness of Rupert generally. You don't even, he doesn't have to write a bio because all of us can write the bio for him at this point. That's how many times he's been on Survivor. Who the fuck voted for me? Death and Rot, Balboa, Love My Wife Laura, Running for Governor. <laughs> There's just a uh, built or shelter building. Yeah, shelter building. He is an iconic shelter builder. Just looking like a pirate, never having a every white and black shirt he has always gets sprayed with the paint bomb somehow. Well, he did make a quick 
appearance on Belgium Mall just to to make sure that they could spray him with something. <laughs> Again, I just bought this. I bought this fucker. <laughs> Do you know how much it costs to get this dry cleaned? So they are a married couple from Indianapolis, and Rupert previously appeared on basically every Survivor season ever, and Laura joined him for Blood vs. Water, and he's self-employed, and she's a nurse, and he also originally trained to be a nurse, which I found out from his Survivor Pearl Islands bio. And he was so popular in Survivor that probes gave him a million dollars and then claimed that the public were responsible for it. <laughs> Just sign up the check. Yeah. And she's the first person ever to use the word shit in the bio, and Rupert completely cops out on the question of where he wants to visit, because he wants to visit everywhere. He said he wants to go to all places, so does that even include Phil Kogan's taint? Wow, we're going there. <laughs> he said all places. He didn't rule anything out. I like how he said he likes to collect coins, considering the first challenge from Survivor Pro Islands, they had to handle coins. So I wonder if he smuggled any of the Balboa coins out of Panama. He got to take one for a souvenir, surely. Mm-hmm. At least it's not like Colby Donaldson was stealing coral from Australia. True. It doesn't earn him a $100,000 fine or whatever it was. <laughs> and, yeah, he's good in challenges, I guess. I don't know. Rupert's really lost his... If it's not swimming, he doesn't do too well. <laughs> as long as nobody um, rolls it over his toe, it's fine. And the Laura channels her inner Katie Upton from Amazing Race 16. Yeah, 21 days on Survivor empowered the shit out of her. <laughs> what are you going to do when you feel empowered? You turned the shit out of them. And this is a telling of how many times they've all been on reality TV. Laura says in life, she can accomplish any challenge that reality TV or life throws her way. This is the problem with doing an old reality TV people season. Is It's just, you get cop-outs. There's so many people who just kind of cop out and give bullshit answers. Because they've learned their lesson from social media. Yeah. Which is why it's very refreshing to read Corinne's bio, where she just doesn't care. Even with Corinne not maybe being the best person, at least she doesn't care too much. At least she knows how to write a bio. Yeah. Colin Christie, too. They all get points. You can say a lot of things about Corinne, and believe me, Ben has on his blogs, but she knows how to write a bio and keep me entertained. Absolutely. So, where do you think Rupert and Laura are going to end? I initially thought they were going to be dead last, but one team, one or two teams, after reading their bios, makes me question, question that, so I'm putting Rupert and Laura in ninth place. And now on to another team that I'm quite excited to talk about, because we've talked about one of them before. It's Rachel and Alyssa. You mean Rachel and Alyssa trademark? Yeah, Rachel and Alyssa copyright. So they are sisters and former Big Brother players from Vegas. Woo, tequila! And Rachel appeared on Big Brother 12 and 13, and Alyssa was on Big Brother 15. Rachel was also on Amazing Race 20 and 24 with her husband and part-time wizard Brendan. And she comes into the season with a 3.583 average and is one of only three people this season who can exceed the current leg record of 31 legs run. And her and um, Eric Sanchez are the only two people that have ever crossed the finish line twice. So she could go three. That'd be crazy to have a racer who crosses the finish line three times. But I don't seem to remember from Big Brother that 
Alyssa was that good in the competitions. I don't know whether it's mean to say that, but I don't remember her being good at all in any of the competitions. Yeah, and she was so close to going home so early. <laughs> and then the MVP twist came along. Yeah, it's like Big Brother does twists that favor certain people. What? And did you notice Rachel's job list? It almost defeats Debbie from Survivor Co. Wrong. It was my favorite thing in the entire bios. So if you've not seen these, in no particular order, Rachel's jobs are she's a student, PT tech, yoga teacher, entrepreneur, casting, mom, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, undertaker, cake maker, wrist taker, moose shaker, who do you think you are, hovercraft engineer, ropes course designer, glock and spielist, time magazine person of the year 2006, geneticist, muse, amateur cartographer, script writer, female impersonator, impersonator, upstairs person, ginger farmer, life first saleswoman, entertainment and blogger. And mine. And all I have to ask is, who describes themselves as entertainment? Not an entertainer. Entertainment. Entertainment is generally what she provides on the season, but maybe not deliberately. I guess it is a job if that's what you've done four times on reality TV. Yeah, but entertainment does sound like a euphemism for something. I am the entertainment. It's like uh, Trailer Park Boys. I am the liquor, Randy. And Alyssa just says that she's an entrepreneur, copyrighted. Yeah, she's a... It's a, Her last name is no longer Slater. It's Her name is Alyssa. Alyssa. Giving her a much more <laughs> Brendan Edge. Alyssa. Alyssa Drop Method Fitness App is now her name. <laughs> Alyssa Drop Fit Method Fitness App. That's too many TH and S sounds. <laughs> I think maybe for the entire length of their stay on the season, we should just call her Alyssa. Alyssa. Alyssa Slater. Alyssa Slater with her Drop Method Fitness App. Yep, that's determined. You're no longer allowed to call her by her real name. It's got to be Alitha. Good old Alitha. So Alitha has the Drop Method Fitness app, and I never heard of this, but I feel like after reading a random Amazing Racers bio, I now know everything about the Drop Method Fitness app. And Rachel says that she wants to go back to the country of Africa, because Africa is totally a city. That's is UCLA. Yeah, it's a city inside of, it's a country inside the continent of Tanzania and Gorongoro. And she says that she's got this in the bag, winking smiley, because she's Rachel Riley and I've won two shows before. Have you? Two? I, I think you've won one, and that one was given to you by Grodner. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a certain twist at Final Six that was designed to save you because nobody wanted to see Khalil win. And Elitha's hobbies include making a difference. What? Making a difference? Yeah, because before Rachel always raced with Brendan, and now the difference is Rachel now races with Elitha. I love how you've already committed to, to the Elitha. <laughs> and she's also scared of flying. Yes. Hopefully not Marge Simpson levels. Because that's going to end really well with the... Uh... With having to do, you know, one or two flights. Maybe a bit more. I'd be more afraid of the semen-filled Japanese offices as a pit stop from season 26. I'd be more fearful of those in a plane. Um, and where do you think they're, they're going to place? Oh, considering how long Alitha's bio about the Drop Method Fitness app was, 
I have them going out in 10th place. I just can't see them going too far. Why else would you just talk about drop method fitness the whole time? So our next team are... Wait, wait, I have a question, though. A serious one. Why do you think they wanted this combination instead of Rachel and Brendan again? Is it to promote the app? I think it's because they wanted Rachel as part of a Big Brother team. And they couldn't do it really with Brendan. And maybe it was a childcare issue. Maybe Brendan said, you know what? You're way more into trying to win this than I am. Why don't you race with Elitha and I'll look after our daughter? You're the first person to be able to cross over and win two different reality shows. I don't have that same chance. You have the chance to be immortalized. Or maybe she, given that we know, for example, from the Lynn's family, that they all applied in different combinations, maybe she applied with Elitha and with Brendan and they thought, hmm, let's see something different out of Rachel Riley. Let's pair her up with Elitha. Yeah, it only takes three times to try and see a different combination on Amazing Race with her. It also makes sense, too, when she's already done 24 legs with Brendan. And also, given that it's not a full All-Star season, it makes a bit of sense to try and switch it up a bit. Yeah. And how see how she can play with having somebody under her wing rather than her potentially being seen as being under Brendan's wing? Where it's like, what happens when Rachel Riley has to take the lead and then you have Alitha having to uh, follow behind her. We can only find out. Yeah. Also, I gotta praise the wink emoticon at the end of Rachel's bio. Yeah. That's when you know they were typed rather than verbal interviews at the start of a season. So, now on to our only new team of the season, Tyler and Corey. Oh, Tyler, our friend. Yeah, best friend of the podcast. It's great to have this endorsement again. Um, so, yeah, as I said before, he's going to check in with us each week about behind-the-scenes stuff. And let's see. They had, oh, yeah, their bios were super-duper short. Yeah. They didn't elaborate on anything? I'm going to be honest. I normally hate short bios, but given that we had the surprise a few days ago of this being brought up and only having 10 days to do this, I'm great with it being short bios and us being able to rattle through these people. <laughs> So, Tyler and Corey, they won five legs in 28? Yeah, they are friends from LA who previously raced in season 28 and come into this season with an average of 2.42. Second best average coming into the season. Even with two seven-place finishes. And Tyler is one of many people who uses their bios to sell their products, in this case his book. Binge. We weren't going to give it publicity. He's not a lithothlater. It's not the Drop Method Fitness app? And his greatest achievement is starting his YouTube channel, which normally I would take the piss out of, but yeah, I kind of understand it, given that that's what's given him a lot of uh, a lot of publicity in the past. It's interesting. It's already been, what, three years since, like, Oak- Oakley peaked? Yeah, I, I would say so. When was, when was 28? 28 was three years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Time has flown. I know. I can't believe it's been three years yeah, since the L.A. finale that I got smuggled into by Justin. Still one of my favorite stories. So, yeah, three years since then. Oakley, I haven't really seen him come up anywhere. And, like, when he was on Amazing Race 28, he was going on, what, Jimmy Kimmel. He had that Netflix special at the exact same time. He had a lot of things going on. He was crossing over to MTV appearances, too, I think. And... Three years later, I haven't heard anything new about him, have you? 
I haven't seen his name come across in any casual sites, just people saying, oh, Tyler Oakley from Amazing Race did this thing yesterday. Nothing but nothing, nothing where like other, other media outlets are reporting on him. I mean, I think we were sleeping last time on the fact that Corey is a massive Amazing Race fan. Definitely massive fan. He's been co-hosting with Justin and Diana and James Zerl for the past, well, three years. <laughs> He's seen Amazing Race Australia too. Mainly thanks to me, but he has seen it. So yeah, massive fan. And I guess he can't do Racers Recap. Um, as I understand it, uh, Jen Hudak is replacing him. Hudak, Hudak. Yeah, I did you what? I did you what? Um, A friend of the show, Jen Hudak. Yeah. It's all stacked. Yeah, Racers Recap is just people who we've interviewed now. Yeah, Racers Recap is just our friends. It's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what to really say. I think they'll make a... Tyler and Corey were a very streaky team the first time where they they won five legs, but they were getting close to being eliminated several times and fizzled out bigly in the finale. So big. Tyler says that he's most scared of insulting locals, which is brought back from his previous bio, and going anywhere that his queer identity would make travel dangerous. I sure hope he wouldn't go anywhere where that would happen. I don't think the Amazing Race will go to Brunei. And Corey's biggest achievement is mastering the Georgian Ballet in Season 28, and that was actually a really hard challenge. It was the only challenge in Season 28 that was actually difficult, I would say. But we also know that he really means joining Race's Recap. Yeah, that's that's bigger accomplishment. I mean, it's our biggest achievement is is joining Race's Recap for one episode when we actually casted a, a um, an amazing Race All Star season. None of our choices made onto this one. Nope, because even we thought that Colin and Christy would never be able to come back. Yeah, didn't even fathom that being an option. So, how do you think they'll do? I think Tyler and Corey will be seventh. You think they'll be seventh? Interesting. I think they'll. I think that streakiness that they had the first time will come back here. The first time they were able to barely survive. I mean, they beat Scott and Blair of all people in the foot race. <laughs> so here, I think a bit more competitive of a season. I think it, the streakiness is they're going to live and die. They always live and die by it. This time, I think they'll die by it in seventh place. But I still think they'll get a couple of leg wins beforehand. So our next team is Corinne and Eliza, and they are friends and former survivors from New York and Colorado. And Corinne was on Survivor Gabon and Karamoan, and Eliza was on Vanuatu and Micronesia. And say what you want about Corinne Kaplan, but oh my god, she can write a bio. I was laughing so hard at her bio. The Wine and Cheese Brigade is was they were it was assassinating people in this bio. I know a lot of people don't like Corinne because she is very mean. But if you treat her like I do as just being a ridiculous character, and she's playing a character on a TV show, I don't think she's like that in real life, really. When you get quotes like her job being medical sales for the real money, podcasting for the side hustle, or using her three words, not actually to describe herself properly like everyone else does, but 100% that bitch. And her proudest accomplishment being not becoming either a real estate agent or yoga instructor after being on Survivor. Like, that's that's legitimately hilarious. Yeah, because so many of them did become real estate agents and yoga instructors after Survivor. In fact, one of the Amazing Race teams pretty much went that route. I think it is actually funnier because you then contrast it with Eliza's, which is genuinely very sincere. 
sincere, intelligent, worldly. Yeah, talking about her being a public defender, talking about her speaking Mandarin, wanting to go to Bhutan because it she wants to go trekking in the Himalayas. And then you have Corinne saying that she's glad she didn't become either a real estate agent or a yoga instructor. I like how for even she even fooled me for half a second thinking that she spoke fluent Mandarin. Where she's like, actually, I want to go to China because I speak fluent Mandarin. No, no, I don't. I just know Eliza does, so so it would be more helpful there. And also, I would not want to come up against Eliza in a quiz. Because I know from our good friend of the podcast, Brooke Kamhai, that they are dominant at bar trivia. And our own original co-host from Kota Kinabalu, Eamon, showed Eliza around Kota Kinabalu when her and Yao Man visited... About five years ago, yeah. So she, so when she said she wants to go to Bhutan, considering she was in Kota Kinabalu, I would say she's very sincere with wanting to go there. Yeah, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Fun fact: I have always wanted to go to Bhutan too, but for Canadian American tourists, we have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars per day in Bhutan. That's what they charge tourists. We've actually discussed this on the podcast before. I think it was the um, the Amazing Race Canada six uh, preview, wasn't it? Most likely, because it's such a they're the only country with that restriction where it's like only rich people can come here, or it's your only vacation for the whole year, and you probably can only afford one week. One month here costs you what would that be? Almost ten thousand uh, dollars. Seven half. Well, and I was thinking flights and food. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. So probably about ten then. Yeah, so you can go to Bhutan for $10,000 for the month. Want to go? No. <laughs> All right. So how do you think that uh, Corinne and Eliza are going to do? I don't know. Do you think Do you think Corinne's even had 15 minutes of airtime between her two seasons? She definitely did in Gabon. No, well, no she, was in, she, had an in, she was more invisible in Gabon, in Gabon than in... Uh, than in Karamoan, because she didn't get shown for the first half of the season. She only had like two episodes, and then the final tribal. In Karamoan, they actually showed her more, because she just kept making fun of Philip the whole time. And talking about her token gay. Which, uh, I don't know if Michael Snow smoked a lot of marijuana to become the token gay, but who knows? So where do you think they're going to place? Let's see. Corinne, Liza, I think I have them doing fairly well. I think they'll make it to Final Four. Is Eliza physically fit? She's, I mean, they've both been on Survivor twice. they got to be physically prepared for it. I know Corinne would do a lot of things like carrying bags of puzzle pieces on the beach in preparation for Survivor. Didn't Eliza win a, an immunity? Yep. Was it the final five immunity she won? In Vanuatu? I mean, granted, her competition was Scout, um, Twyla, and Chris towards the end. Chris is a beast. I will not hear a bad word said about Chris Doherty. He The first challenge he won was Shuffleboard. So? And he didn't win another one until the Vertical Maze. He won them when they mattered. <laughs> that I can agree with. And that's all that's important. <laughs> ah, it was the, the trivia challenge, so of course you won it. <laughs> Are you serious? Yep, it was the... Here's the story about Roy Matter. Oh, that's the Roy Mata one. No one else has been named Roy Mata. So, our next team are a team who we haven't actually specifically spoken to on the podcast, but who we're basically friends with, let's be honest. Becker and Floyd. I've spoken to them. Yeah, but you don't count. 
They are Funstoppable Friends from Colorado, who met on season 29, and they came into this season with an average of 3.4. Respectable. And she's a rock climbing instructor, and she designs courses to help to help increase people, especially women's, confidence. And her proudest moment is being on the race. Proudest? Can you not think of anything else? Yeah, Becca's... Actually, what I wrote down from Becca, Becca's bio is she said nothing interesting. Those are the four words I have typed into my notes. Yeah, her bio was... Well, that, that both of their bios actually were a bit disappointing. Yeah, they were throwaways. Like, Becca just... Like, where's the fun? There was no fun stoppableness in their bio writing. No, they were kind of a bit stoppable. Not even fun stoppable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even startable. Yeah. So she wants to go to New Zealand the most. I question that strategy because has she not heard about the new tourist taxes? What, for where? For New Zealand. Oh, yeah, she said she wanted to go to New Zealand. There's new tourist taxes? Yeah, they, they've just introduced like a visa waiver. So I think you've got to pay like 14 uh, Kiwi dollaroos to uh, to get in. And then there's like a tourist levy as well, which is about $25. Even for, I assume that apply to Canadians too? Yeah, everyone apart from Australians. That's dumb. Yeah. They announced it last week, I think. Wonder, just an extra money grab for the government? I would assume so, yeah. So much for Commonwealth. New Zealand's being a bit miserable. And you can take that very personally, Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phil, what up with that? Aren't you the travel dude? And Floyd is a client services manager and studying to be an accountant. And as someone who works in accountancy education, boring. <laughs> you know that all too well. Yeah, I love you, Floyd, but I know exactly what the letters CFA stand for, and it's boring. It's Chartered Financial Accountant. And he describes himself as spunky, which is something he shares with Jamie Trinity. was not expecting a small reference. And surprisingly, he doesn't describe his biggest fear as getting heat stroke in the middle of Vietnam, but instead losing his passport. Which was a reasonable fear to have in his season two. Yeah. It's the only thing that leads to Becca nearly knocking you out on your feet. Yeah, I think if I were him, I would have put my greatest fear as, as heat stroke in the middle of Vietnam, though. <laughs> yeah. Nearly, nearly being dead in Vietnam, that'd be pretty high up there on my list, too, if I'd experienced it. What's your biggest fear? How about that thing that put me in an ambulance? How about that thing that nearly killed me? <laughs> that was pretty scary. <laughs> and he is the only person in the cast to say that races are not his biggest competition in the cast, because he says survivors. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Do you think if, if everyone had said races, they just wouldn't have put that, uh, that question in? Because I do. If all 22 said it, but if one went against the other 21, then include it? Yeah, I think so. I think they would have taken out that question too, yeah, I agree. Otherwise, what's the point? Just cancels each other out. So, Floyd, you saved that useless question on the bio. Congratulations. So where'd you see them placing? Floyd said he wanted to go to the continent of Australia and New Zealand. Does he not know that New Zealand is not the name of a continent? So, Beck and Floyd, I think they make it to fifth place again. I was going to say, the the comedic thing to do would be to eliminate them in fifth place again. Yeah, this time it's Becca's turn to faint. But I'm just thinking, with the other amazing race teams that are in it, they've all performed better than Beck and Floyd. And what, Beck and Floyd only won one leg in 29? 
Yes. One or maybe two. Yeah, one. They only won one trip because uh, Becca mentioned it as the Galapagos Islands. Right. So they just won, won the one leg. And yeah, I think fifth place is a good place for them to go. And from fifth place, potentially, to your winner pick in Leo and Jamal. There's just so much experience there. They've both done 22 legs. The only reason why they didn't cross the finish line both times is because they just have a habit of choking at the final four when victory is right in their grasps. And they've been U-turned three times, survived all three U-turns. And who's the next most experienced as a team on the season? No one else has played twice together, right? Art JJ once, Tyler and Corey once. It would be Tyler and Corey and Art and JJ. Colin and Christy did 13 legs together. Yeah, but theirs was ages ago. Yeah. Colin and Christy played so long ago that even if if you counted one leg per year, they'd still run out. So Leo and Jamal have twice as much experience as any other team together. And that's got to be, we noticed that in 18, that was our 24. That's a pretty big advantage to have. And Leo and Jamal are already strong racers like Jet and Cord. Jet and Cord had weaknesses. Flight Time Big Easy had weaknesses too. Leo and Jamal didn't really show any weakness other than being U-turn magnets, which didn't phase them one bit. And they're one of the rare teams who actually in an all-star appearance managed to make everyone like them after everyone hated them previously. Because a lot yeah, of people I mean, really didn't like them in uh, in 23. Oh yeah, they were despised in 23 until what, the last two episodes when Travis and Nicole turned into huge jerks? When Nicole turned into Nicole from the Mole 5. <laughs> I can kill Liam and Jamal without leaving any evidence. So I just, and I don't think the other teams really notice Leo and Jamal and think, wow, that team is super threatening because Leo and Jamal haven't crossed the finish line yet, but yet they're just shy of the finish line. So they're just sneaking under the radar with 22 legs of experience. It's an alpha male team. Both of them are physically fit. They're smart guys. On paper, they should win. On paper, they should win. So they were on seasons 23 and 24, and they come into the season as the only other people, other than Rachel, who could get the leg record, and they would need to reach leg 10 and see Rachel eliminated before then to get that record. And they have an average of 3.773 coming into the season. And Leo is a bar owner in Pasadena. Lovely place, I've been to Pasadena. And Jamal is a customer financial services manager. And Leo uses his bio to advertise his new bar. At least he didn't go to. At least he just just name dropped it. He didn't write a whole paragraph about it. He didn't copyright it. He didn't have a trademark symbol in it. And Leo most wants to go to Afghanistan as it's his parents' homeland, and I'm really sure CBS would let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> and Jamal is proudest of his job, boring, and his family, boring. And he says that he's running the race for his company's charity. And is he donating his winnings? Sounds like it. And he has the most savage thing that anyone has ever said on a bio. Ever. This is when you know that the bios were written very, very recently. Because he's most scared of flying on a Boeing 737 MAX 8. (laughs) And I won't lie, I read this bio a couple of days ago and actually visibly gasped. (laughs) You know what the biggest issue I have with Jamal? It's not even that joke. 
He shaved his beard. He did. I thought he looked weird. He shaved his beard. It's like Rupert without a tie-dye shirt. Not good. <laughs> Not good, Jamal. <laughs> know your branding. <laughs> Keep the beard. Trust me. Keep the beard and never let go. <laughs> Picture Rupert pulling Jamal aside, giving him a lecture on how to properly brand yourself on reality TV. You know as well as I do that if Rupert does go home <laughs> early, we're just going to be doing impressions of him all season anyway. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just... You've just lost it. <laughs> you know how Rupert always... One of my favorite things about Rupert is that expression when he gets like really overly enthusiastic as a reaction. Like the one like the one during Survivor Pearl Islands where, where there was the one immunity challenge where Jeff Probst is like, oh, or it's the challenge where you had to hold the partner up when it's Rupert versus Austin. And Probst is like, did you ever think one of them might quit? And Rupert has that really like scowl, <laughs> over enthusiastic <laughs> uh, reaction on his face. I'm just picturing that same face when he sees Jamal with a shaved beard and then himself with a really long beard. And he's like, what? We're allowed to shave our beards off? We're allowed to do that? Why hasn't anyone told me that for 15 years? I didn't know we could do that. 90% of the time when I'm not on TV, I'm clean shaven. This is actually a stick on. The bomb beard. This is why I never run too fast. Don't pull on my beard too hard. <laughs> this is why I can't be Santa Claus in the mall anymore. I'll be I'll be outed as a fraud. <laughs> and then Art and JJ go up to Rupert and be like, "We know you're not really a bearded man, so tell us what you really are, Rupert." So I'm right in thinking that you think Leo and Jamal win, then? Yep. <laughs> so, next team, we'll rattle through this one, let's be honest, it's Chris and Brett. Who? They're alleged friends who both competed on Survivor Millennials vs. Gen X, and Brett is a police sergeant from Boston, and Chris is an attorney from Oklahoma. And I would put money on this, I don't know whether it's true or not, I'd put money on Covino probably knowing Brett. Maybe not personally, was, but... That was my first note, too. I did mean to ask Kavino whether he actually does know Brett or not, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I'm trying to find their bio notes in here, probably because there's none. Given that we already know that Kavino knows Amy from Survivor Guatemala, it's only a matter of time in a Boston police department for, for him to know Brett. Everyone knows everybody. Well, Boston is where everyone knows your name. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> And Brett is another person who wants to go to New Zealand. And here's my question. Is New Zealand the new Italy? Yeah, exchange your pizza and grapes for uh, kiwis. Kiwis and sheep. And fly the Concords tickets. And Brett says that he wants to go into the race to get a better knowledge of redheads. And I'm sure Scott Flannery would answer that call. Ooh. Not the direction you thought I was going with that one. Nope. I think he was trying to be funny with that, but I just didn't find it funny. Yeah, I wonder if that's what he genuinely meant. <laughs> oh, I love how Chris's biggest fear is, Africa scares me. It just seems extreme. 
Yeah, all of Africa is extreme. To the max. Well, that's one continent you can't go to now. Yeah, like Antarctica is extremely cold, but that's not extreme. Africa's extreme. It's not nearly extreme enough for Chris. <laughs> and Chris wants to visit Switzerland most for some reason. Yeah, his bio is very neutral overall, so that doesn't surprise me. Even though Switzerland has like the highest peaks, some of the highest peaks in the world, somehow it's less extreme than Africa. Being perfectly honest, if I had to list the teams of this season, I wouldn't be able to remember they were on it. I really struggle to remember that they were even on this season. In terms of all the bios that we have? Yeah. They're just... They're the most confusing choice, is I think the politest way I can put it. Yeah, because a lot of people say, why are Chris and Brett the two... Because they were two of the least memorable characters from all of Millennials versus Gen X. So everyone's wondering, why were they cast? And the only reason that I really come across online is, oh, they've appeared on other podcasts together and they're funny. Because the rumor for a Millennials versus Gen X representative team was going to be Adam and Jay. That, see, that would have been much. That would have been a much better choice. That was the one that I heard on the grapevine. Did they turn it down? I'm not sure. I don't know what the story is. I don't, I don't even know how many teams or people were contacted for this season. And it would be very interesting to find out anyone who we don't know about in that respect. So, what do you? Why do you think CBS picked Chris and Brett? Because that is a really weird choice too. Like, look at the other teams that are here. You have Colin and Chrissy, who are amazing race legends. You have Corinne and Eliza, who are, like, the two strongest female survivor players in terms of being independent women. I avoided a Destiny's Child reference. You have recent Big Brother winners uh, in Nicole with Victor, who got evicted seven times. Um, and then you have Rupert from Survivor, who is very, very, very recognizable. Maybe the most recognizable survivor ever. Yeah, you can't have a Survivor representative without Rupert being asked, at least. Yeah, and then you have, say, Rachel Riley being, having dual citizenship with both Big Brother and Amazing Race, twice each, winning one of them, getting to the end of the other one twice. And then you have Janelle, who had like all these crazy competition records and made Final Three and Big Brother back-to-back -back seasons. That's the thing we're going to get into in a minute. Janelle still holds the record for number of veto wins in a season. Yeah, And she did Big Brother basically around the same time that Colin and Christy did Amazing Race. Yeah, and then you have, say, Tyler and Corey, who, you know, they still have that huge social media following, and they made it to the end of their season. And then you have Chris and Brett, who didn't make it to the end of their Survivor season, and who Probst never, ever brings up in interviews or talks about it at all, or who no one really talks about online. And yet they're one of the three Survivor teams? They've got to have been an alternate. Surely. Some, maybe last second, someone dropped out? Yeah. I can't see Chris and Brett being the CBS-desired top three Survivor teams to bring back. I'd be very surprised if they weren't alternates. Unless there's just unaired footage where they were just really, really funny together at camp? And it just didn't fit into the narrative of the stories they were telling for Millennials versus Gen X. So yeah, it's a bit puzzling. So it's, I'll be interested to see if Chris and Brett live up to their reputation of being hilarious guys on a random podcast. Where do you think they're going to end? I think they're going to go quite far in this, actually. They both seem 
quite prepared for this. I have them finishing right in the middle, sixth place. So on to our penultimate team, who are Janelle and Brittany, who are friends who competed against each other in Big Brother 14, but separately on Big Brother 6 and Big Brother 12, respectively. Janelle is a realtor in Minnesota, and Brittany is a stay-at-home mum and sasspot from Oklahoma. And if you're going to have a Big Brother team, and you even float the idea of Brittany coming back and then don't give it to me, then I would have cancelled this season immediately, because Brittany is one of my favourite house guests ever. Yep. She was consistently amazingly funny on Big Brother 12. Mainly at the expense of Rachel Riley. But she she is a completely natural comedian, and she's a wonderful Big Brother house guest. And she wasn't as good on Big Brother 14, but also she was playing with people who were less fun to take the piss out of in 14. But she was really good in 12. She's the only Big Brother player I know who has multiple videos dedicated to her on YouTube of all her taking the piss out of people. And they're like 20 minutes long each. And she also has really good impressions too. (laughs) Brittany! I mean, she is the reason that I described um, Brendan as part-time wizard, Brendan. Because of her ridiculous impression of him being ridiculous. So I have high hopes for Brittany just teasing people, basically. And it goes without saying that Janelle is one of the biggest Big Brother icons ever in terms of challenge prowess. She still holds the record for veto wins. I'm pretty sure she still holds the record for one season HOH wins as well. Did Frankton clip it? I don't think so. I'd have to double check, but I I don't think so. Or Ian? Didn't Ian win like four HOHs or something ridiculous? Or what about Demetrius? In America, I mean. Because mm. Demetrius got, what, five in BB Cam 5? She holds the num- number of combined uh, head of household and power of veto competition victories in her first two seasons. And she's currently tied with uh, James Hewling for the record of second most days spent in the Big Brother house at 177. And she was in the 85-day format. So she's she's legitimately a Big Brother all-star. Perhaps the most recognisable or biggest all-star of them all. And they are both proudest of their children. Everyone knows how much I love that quote. Yeah, they're kind of both trained into the Jeannie and Sylvia of, uh, <laughs> of the season. They're the mom team. Could you, Mac, I bet no one ever thought that, hey... Let's have Janelle and Brittany as the mom team of Amazing Race. And yet it works. It does. Because Janelle's, what, 40 now? Uh, 39. Yeah. Considering she started out as, like, a a young Playboy model when she was originally on Big Brother. That's crazy. I mean, we've seen her grow up, basically. (laughs) Um, And Janelle says that she wants to go to Japan because she's recently learned that she's part Asian, thanks to 23andMe. She's part Asian and wants to go to Japan. Does she, like, which part of Asia is she part of? That's the thing. She doesn't give us any more information on this. So she could be 0.1% Asian. Or like 0.1% Yemeni. She's the Amazing Race version of Elizabeth Warren. That's a topical reference. Wow. (laughs) And Britney's hobbies include Starbucks and Target, and she most wants to go to Africa. Brittany, I love you, but that was a terrible answer. Do Big Brother uh, contestants, do they have a coffee problem? 
I think they must do, because I can't see there being much else to do in the Big Brother house other than chug coffee. Yeah, because they, they had the alcohol restriction for such a long time, too. And for good reason, Justin. <laughs> oh, Brittany was also the second person other than Chris to mention ter- terrorism as their biggest fear. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned terrorism as their biggest fear on bios in any other season, either. I think we do see it occasionally, but not loads. So how do you think they're going to do? Uh, I have them first out. Really? Unfortunately. It would be a shame. It'd be a huge shame. I just don't know if they have that same hunger in them as they did and drive from such a long time ago. Especially Janelle, where she pretty much fizzled out on Big Brother 14. Like Janelle was... Like is, it say, is it fair to say that Janelle on Big Brother 14 was a bit of a disappointment in her appearance? I think so, yeah. Like, she seemed like she wasn't really into it? Yeah, she she kind of felt like she was there for the the paycheck, rather than actually being there. It's like she just was growing up. <laughs> and I feel like it's a case like this, too, where like they, both of them have clear, clearly have other priorities on their minds. I just hope they don't get categorized as being the mom team. And see, I think that's what's going to end up happening. Because Corinne and Eliza will never be the mom team. <laughs> so now, time for our main event. And I've been waiting 11 months to be able to say this phrase. The final team we're going to discuss is Colin and Christy. So, I don't know how many people know this. You told me this, Michael, but I guess they asked CBS specifically to let them come back again. I'm not sure about that, but Colin and Christy were meant to come back for Amazing Race All-Stars. And they couldn't because Christy was pregnant. So they've always been on the radar of production to come back. Mainly because they are certifiable Amazing Race legends. But I never believed that we would get to the day where I could say the phrase, Colin and Christy are on this season. And when I said that um, I was contemplating not covering Amazing Race 31, this was when we heard the rumours of it being Big Brother vs. Survivor. As soon as I heard Colin and Christy were coming back, I was going to move hell and earth to be able to cover this season. If you cast ten really shit teams, and then Colin and Christy, I would still I would be watching. Yeah, it's no understatement to say that Colin and Christy are one of the most important Amazing Race teams ever. In anyone's list, they are pretty much a top ten team guaranteed. I was going to say the same thing, top 10, top 10 team universally on any list. Yeah. It's impossible to understate their importance in Amazing Race, which is why it is amazing to be able to talk about them. You had to wait 15 years. Yeah. So let's do them justice. <laughs> or 16 years now, considering... Or when did the season air? 04? Season... Uh, I can't, can't remember. Because season 5, season 6, and season 7 all aired in the span of a year. It's got to be 04, wasn't it? So they are life partners in Amazing Race Legends from Texas, and they come into the season with a 2.46 average. And to say that they're important is a bit of an understatement. I mean, the only other race to ever have a book named after one of their quotes was Aaron Robinson with I'd Rather Be Waterboarded, A Casual Fan's Guide to the Amazing Race. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so glad you laughed at that. Because I've been struggling with that joke for three days. <laughs> yeah, Colin, Colin Christie have a book named after them. My ox is broken. 
Colin Gwynn is a combination of what you, of Dexter Morgan and Dwight K. Schrute. If you mix the two of them together, you get Colin Gwynn on Amazing Race 5. And now they've become hippies. Yeah, now they're going to start wearing bowling mom shirts and start yelling to Tao. If I had to write a parody Colin and Christie bio, I'm not even sure I would have gone for hippies. I don't think you could passively claim in fan fiction that Colin and Christie had become hippies in the past 15 years. But it's happened. To go from, I'm packing it, to, oh, whatever, dude. Peace and love, peace and love. Yeah. And to go with life partner label. <laughs> Which really confused a lot of the casuals. Yeah, it's like, yeah, people do go with life partners and stuff. You just wouldn't expect that from super intensive Colony Christie to go with that more hippie, relaxed, easygoing marital label. And Colin's great, greatest accomplishment is co-creating a beautiful life with Christy, our two beautiful boys, Achilles and Cruz, a successful career doing what I love with people I love, and a daily practice that allows me to maintain high vibrations. Like good vibrations. And I will refrain making any jokes about a daily practice that allows me to ma- maintain high vibrations. <laughs> because yes, that sounds euphemistic. And he's a tech entrepreneur specialising in drones and autonomous robotics. And she is an integrated sex, love and relationship coach. This is fantastic. Imagine if, like, Charlotte and Myrna come into her office. Who do you think is going to be the new Charlotte and Myrna for them? Oh, I don't know. Thing is, are they really going to be hippies? Or is that ox going to break and they're going to get it to 11 on the gas pedal again? They're not going to last more than a leg of being hippies. Believe it all you want, but it's not going to happen. We're going to see a classic Colin meltdown. He's going to scream at someone, surely. Art and JJ is going to go out to them. We know you guys are saying you're hippies, but we know you're like super intensive, borderline serial killer personalities. Tell us who you are, really. How do you think Colin's going to get on with Rachel? I don't know. He's probably going to have a confession like, man, that woman in green really gets on my nerves. She's harshing my mellow. She's breaking my ox. That bitch. I feel like Rachel is probably the biggest target of... Colin having a go at someone if he's going to do it. Yeah. Why don't you guys get out of our faces? No, why don't you get out of our faces? Brendan! <laughs> Alyssa! <laughs> <laughs> she won't stop talking about the Drop Method Fitness app. TM. <laughs> TM. <laughs> yeah, the production corrects him on that. <laughs> Sets them off. It'd be awesome if they can, if there's like two episodes of them being hippies, and then just the mask. It's like Clark Kent going into the phone booth. It just slips. Yeah, it just slips off. The cape comes on, and they become the super villains that we loved for them the first time. I mean, it's devastating to me that they haven't sent them back to the Philippines, just because I want to see Colin have to get PTSD and do that. Uh, do the Carabao Challenge again. No, what they have to do is have an ox in a different country. Be like, oh, at least we're not going to the Philippines again. <laughs> we brought in these Filipino oxen. Oh, that would be amazing. I just, I want to see Colin turn the corner, see some ox there and go, oh, you fuckers. It's what makes it funny too with them being in robotics is that there's the whole thing with my ox is broken. So naturally, he's in robotics trying to fix robots. (laughs) 
my AI is alive. It's just a robot calling. No, it's alive. My ox is broken, but the AI is alive. And she's proudest of raising her sons and leveling up her relationship with Colin. Leveling up. She's into robotics too. I'm looking at my Charles Martinet signed picture right now. Wahoo! She wants to go back to Africa, and he thinks that the budget will stretch to Antarctica. With Christy, I'm surprised she'd want to... I mean, they love their visit to Africa. Is it because it's where Charlene Mirna got eliminated? Is it because they won the leg by 12 hours? Or is it the ostrich egg that Colin just loves trying to eat? So how do you think that they're going to do? No, there's still more to unpack from this bio, Michael. What does what's Reiki? Reiki. It's like a, it's like meditation and stuff. I'm trying to think. My um, one of my aunts is a uh, a Reiki practitioner. It's basically energy healing. Ah, and Christy wanting one of her goals is getting more intimacy on the race. We're gonna bone in every country. <laughs> yeah, and then Colin wants to see Antarctica because of the wildlife. Yeah. I'm not sure how they do an entire leg there, but... All the penguins. A detail. Penguins or penguins? <laughs> penguins or ice. Ice seals. So how do you think they're going to do? You know what? I've gone back and forth, but... The fact that they say they want to have the same competitiveness they had the first time, the fact that Colin said that in his bio where they want to be harmonious and hippie-like, but go back into the competitiveness has me convinced they will definitely have that competitiveness kick in. So maybe they're going to get final three again. Let's say second place. I think that sort of stuff you can't ever forget, really. I think it's just a switch that they've got to learn how to turn back on. Well, if you look back to season five, they're really under-edited in the first two episodes, where they were really calm and easygoing, and episode three is where they just kicked it in and made those alliances and got really aggressive, and that's when they won like five out of the next six legs. So maybe that's, we're going to see the same thing. Middle of the pack, the first two episodes, and then they go into the phone booth, and we get the legendary team that we had 15 years ago. I hope so. So just a couple more bits of housekeeping, I guess, before we sign off for this preview. Um, if you didn't like our opinions, Ben is also doing some blogs to remind you of where you might know these teams from on the website. And the other major bit of housekeeping, I guess, is that... I forgot to mention this at the start, but happy 200th episode, Logan. This is our 200th podcast together? It's your 200th episode. My 200th? Yes. In three episodes' time, it's our 200th together, but um, today is, our, is your 200th episode. Shit. And what we normally do on Landmark episodes is get some sort of present. And I've been thinking about this for... Weeks and weeks and weeks about what to get you for your 200th episode. And I thought there's only one appropriate thing, really. What would Logan actually want more than anything else in the world? And. I feel like I'm going to get trolled. Mm, I feel like you're going to find out something that I've been working on. So I sent a few emails around, um, specifically on the 4th of March, to uh, someone from CBS, actually, and said. Hello, I hope you're well. I was wondering what the process to apply for Amazing Race Exit interviews would be. We've recapped the show since 2013 and would love the opportunity. And I got a reply. And it wasn't a no. What? It also wasn't a yes yet, but I kind of wanted to surprise you on the preview, so there is a very real chance that we could be doing exit interviews this season. (laughs) What the hell? I know. (laughs) 
and I've not told you for over a month since I applied for it. And I got a pretty rapid response, actually. Um, they're currently deciding whether we're going to get X interviews or not. It's up in the air. So hi, Mallory from CBS, if you're listening. Please give us X interviews, it'll be amazing. <laughs> Pun intended. Either that or give her Snapple iced tea. And I will say that pretty much everyone else on the podcast has known about this for the past month. I just wanted to surprise you on the preview. Well, that was a worthy surprise. Yeah, the, the motivation was the fact that when the season started filming, we discussed that how much we want to talk to Colin and Christy. And I thought, what's the best way to talk to Colin and Christy? And that's do it officially. <laughs> we might only get like seven minutes with them, but... Better than zero. So have you got anything else you want to say about the uh, the teams before we... Well, before I run off to work, but... I think that's it. Yeah. So we will be back every Sunday for uh, the Amazing Race recaps. Thankfully, even though they've screwed us over by bringing it five weeks early, it's at least a convenient day. And also, from next week, Logan's only going to be an hour before me. Yay! But will the Wi-Fi connection be good? Hopefully. So, thank you for listening to this Amazing Race preview. We will be back every Sunday, all season, for the recaps. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Homestone for me, and Logsquacky for Logan. Also, if you're watching Belgium Mole, we recap that every Thursday. If you're not, you should be. It's the best show on TV, and you're wrong if you don't agree with me. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the first episode. Yeah. <laughs>